0: and to tell inspirational cattails. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today, back from my travels. Coming up later in today's episode, we are going to be speaking with the genuinely lovely and legitimately talented Ms. Stacy Greaseback, a singer extraordinaire and a wonderful, wonderful cat mom, she's going to be here to discuss her new album "Christmas Time," and we're going to listen to a new single off that album before we speak with her. Very exciting stuff. Truly, and and I will say upfront, by the way, that that Stacy is a personal friend. Uh, she actually used to be a colleague of my husband's, and that is how we met and we became friends. And she's immensely talented and and loves her cat almost as much as the rest of us love our cats, if such a thing were possible. Um, But I do have to say, in my defense, so you don't think that I'm just turning my podcast into a, a showcase for my dubiously talented friends, that when I first heard my husband playing this new song from this new album, I just immediately fell in love with it and and called her up and said, oh my God, you have to come on the podcast. We're going to talk about the song and the new album. So for whatever it's worth, I, I did legitimately love the song and want to talk to her about it. And I thought you guys would love it too. But if you don't like it at all, please know that I offered it to you from a, a truly sincere place of wanting to share something that I myself loved. Anyway, we are going to we're going to be talking to Stacy in a minute. I'm sorry. I'm still a little loopy from the travel. It is good to be home. I have to say that um it, it is a little upsetting though. You know, I've been home for 5 days now and the cats, particularly Clayton, still seem to not quite be over the fact that we were gone. You know, the cats are are 12 now and so they are not kittens anymore and yes granted during covid there was really a 2 year stretch there when Lawrence and I barely left the house um there was an 18 month stretch where we really did not leave the house at all Lawrence did a little bit but i i you know have a history of asthma and and was just very concerned about covid so i was really shut in and shut down and maybe the cats started to think that that's how life had always been and was always going to be. Because I, I don't remember them being so freaked out by our traveling. Um, you know, we were gone for a week, almost exactly a week. We left Thursday night. We got back Friday morning. Not the next morning, obviously, a week from. Um, and, and particularly Clayton, he's just clinging to me like a burr. Um, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out. About it, um, and when I say kind of bummed out, I, I mean that I am legitimately distressed. It is, it is really upsetting to me to think that that traveling. I, I know they like it better when we're here, but you know now we have a live-in sitter. Um, who the cat's like? And Clayton is such a friendly cat. I understand that nobody else is me, but he wasn't left alone. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that there's some way we can ease this separation anxiety. Because while my husband and I, you know, while Lawrence and I are not planning to become globe-trotting jet-setters always on the go, I'd like to be able to, to travel two, three weeks out of the year um, without feeling like I am emotionally scarring my my cats, who I I love to a, a fairly ludicrous degree. Anyway, any suggestions? Anybody, uh, if you if you have any ideas or or tips and tricks that that help ease that anxiety a little bit, please not peas, please. Feel free to hit me on my website, uh, head on over to GwenCooper.com. There is a page dedicated to this podcast and you can leave comments there and I will read them and possibly even respond to them if you would like me to do so. And again, that is GwenCooper, G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot com. Um, it was a great trip though and and always wonderful to see good friends, uh, kind of a, a weird experience, though, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. So we went, I, I think I explained this in the last podcast, but Lawrence, as I've mentioned before, for 30 years ago, lived in Sweden for a year. Uh, when Sweden first deregulated radio, Lawrence was a disc jockey on Sweden's first rock and roll station, uh, 101.9 Bandit, your rock home of Stockholm. This has been drilled into my head many times over the years. Uh, So Lawrence still has very good friends who live in Sweden. Some of them are Swedish, but most of them are part of it, just stayed in Sweden. they American men who married Swedish wives and and remained there. And so there's this whole expat community. And every year they get together for Thanksgiving. And Lawrence's mother used to throw the most amazing Thanksgivings. I, I feel so privileged to have gotten to go to so many of them with Lawrence, she would have like 40 people at these just huge, huge Thanksgiving celebrations. And they were amazing. And the food was amazing. And we saw, we saw, it was a combination of, of friends and family. And then those people that you only see once a year at Thanksgiving. And it, it was really just unbelievable. And of course, this was the first year that we were celebrating Thanksgiving since Lawrence's mother passed away. And it did not seem that anybody was stepping up to, to fill that void, to, to throw their own 40-person Thanksgiving or really any particular Thanksgiving. There, It just seemed like one of those – nobody had any particular plans. And so this is why we ended up doing a Swedish Thanksgiving. And it was also because one of Lawrence's very dear friends, his daughter – just had a baby, so we got a chance to see the baby as well. And and it was like I said, it's wonderful to see old friends. Most of the people there were people I had never met, and so it was very interesting to to meet all these people. Here's what was interesting and sort of weird about it. So it's a it's a group of mostly American men in their fifties and sixties, completely average, normal looking guys. Nobody was ugly. Nobody was hot. It, you know we're all middle-aged now just complain, if you saw them you wouldn't give them a second look just regular looking middle-aged guys and their swedish wives all of whom were were reasonably attractive but again no nobody nobody was helen Mirren. and and i use helen Mirren specifically because damn she looks good no matter i don't know exactly how old she is but man does she look amazing she is a stunning woman um you know it 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 can be it, it there are fewer and fewer stunning women right as 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 you get older but the women none of them looked like and and i want to say this the right way again none of them were knockouts and and it has been a long time since i have been a knockout so or even was a contender for that title so i i do not mean that disparagingly i just mean it was a group of people my age who looked like people my age um and their daughters and they only had daughters there were no sons there were only daughters and the daughters ranged in age from about 17 to 21 um the daughters were all insanely beautiful just ridiculously beautiful the least attractive of them looked like maybe she would only be a catalog model um that that was the low end. Like she could be a model, maybe not a supermodel though, just a regular model. <laughs> the 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 most attractive girl there was quite literally the most beautiful human being I have ever met in person. And please keep in mind that I spent a number of years living on South Beach, um, as a friend of mine used to describe it the the playground of the genetically blessed, um, the kind of place where I never felt bad about how I looked because. No reasonable person would have expected me to look like those people on South Beach. You know, it's not like being the least attractive person in a group of people who are basically at your level, you're just the the, the least among them. They they those people were so great looking that I didn't even aspire to it. I couldn't even feel bad about it. Um these girls were, were 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 somehow more beautiful than that. It was astonishing. I felt like I was in a movie, like someone was making a movie about the Thanksgiving and these were the girls who were cast to play the daughters of the Americans and their Swedish wives. Lawrence and I were, were really trying to figure it out later how these completely just average looking people had produced these unbelievably gorgeous daughters who were only half Swedish. You know, even the whole, well, the Swedes are a beautiful people only takes you so far. Anyway, so, so this was the gathering and I you know, the 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 way that, I mean, there was no assigned seating or anything, but it sort of worked out that I was sitting proximate to these girls who have been coming to these Thanksgivings every year since they were little. And so they all know each other. I don't know how friendly they are outside of the Thanksgiving gatherings, but they all know each other and, and they were all talking. And I was trying to leave them to themselves because in my experience, uh, there is a very limited interest that 17 or 18 year olds have in in conversing with fifty something strangers at a Thanksgiving gathering, um, but they they uh, they kept talking to. Me. They kept bringing me into their conversation. Later, Lawrence said, "You know, when you're an American, and especially when you're an American from New York, that they're, they're always interested. Uh, especially the kids, they, they're always interested in New York. They're always interested in America. And fair enough, I I can understand that." Um, so I was talking to them for a while, but there was this moment where I realized like I'm, I'm talking and I'm looking around at this circle of like seven or eight unbelievably beautiful teenage girls just listening so raptly to every word I was saying, and I and I had this thought like this must be what it feels like to be a cult leader. <laughs> Like, this must be what Charles Manson <laughs> felt like, just just to be the center of attention of these insanely beautiful girls. Um, very interesting, a very interesting experience. They 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 were interested in New York. I I told them as much as I could. Of course, now I live in Jersey City. I was very clear about that. I did not want to misrepresent myself to these young impressionable women. Um. Uh, but anyway, the, the the funny sort of epilogue to the story is that we were at the airport going through security, and they were giving me a little bit of a hard time um, because it, it like the way that the line was working was weird. I, I won't go into the very detailed expression, you know, explanation. People kept kind of getting in front of me at security, and I was not getting through, and I, I was getting very frustrated. Um, and all of a sudden I hear a voice say, Gwen. And, and I look up and I see a girl in uniform and, and it's one of the girls from Thanksgiving who works at, at the Swedish equivalent of TSA. Um, she's going to school and I guess this is her, her part time job. I had no idea. So she whisked me, th- you know, gave me a big hug and whisked me through, which was a relief. And, and she said, I, I recognized that hair. And, uh, I, I will say me, maybe what made me so interesting to these girls is no one had curly hair. You know, these are Swedes. They all had very straight hair. My hair is, of course, big and bushy and um, not of a type (laughs) frequently seen in Scandinavian countries. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was an interesting experience and definitely something I would consider doing again. And I would also say if you are an American and you want to feel like you might actually be a fascinating person, go to Sweden. Talk to some teenagers about America. They will make you feel like, you are genuinely fascinating. It's an incredible experience. Um, but enough about that. We are, once again, uh, we, we seem to be lately doing kind of segue-less transitions here on the podcast. So I'm going to do one more segue-less transition before getting on to our interview today. But I did want to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of Rosalind Carter, um, Some of you may know or I may have discussed on the podcast before that when I was in college, I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was lucky enough to intern at the Carter Presidential Center. And whatever your politics and whatever you think of Jimmy Carter as a president, and, and I was all five years old when Jimmy Carter was president. So I, I truly have very few <laughs> opinions about his presidency. Um but it would be hard to deny what an extraordinary humanitarian he is and 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 the incredible humanitarian work that he and the Carter Center have undertaken since he left the presidency now you know 50 years ago ish maybe even more now 50 years about 50 years um it was a life-changing experience for me it is very much the reason why i ended up Instead of going to law school, going to work in nonprofit upon graduating college, and even though it's been a while since I was a since I actually worked for nonprofit organizations as my career, it is also very much the reason why I've remained so dedicated to supporting nonprofit organizations and causes that I feel strongly about. um it, it really was an experience that imbued me with a very deep sense that. If you care about something, you you have to do something about it because problems don't get solved by themselves or without any input or action from the rest of us. Um but I do have a story about Rosalind Carter, who was a lovely, love again, my 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 interactions with the Carters was extremely limited. I, but I did have some, but but everyone who worked at the Carter Center really just thought that, that Rosalind Carter was, was a truly lovely lady, and she was. Um, I did sort of meet her one time, uh, and this was when Rosalind Carter hosted a tea for all of the female employees at the Carter Center. I was in college. I was 20 years old. I was a 20-year-old from Miami. So you know, if it had been she'd been hosting like a coffee and schmooze, I I would have been all over it. I would have known exactly what that was and what to do or even like a, you know, cafe con leche and and dominoes perhaps. <laughs> it, would, it would have been my speed. Um I had never been to a formal tea. Certainly not a a formal southern, you know, a tea, a formal tea thrown by a, by a southern lady. I didn't even know what to wear. My friend Andrew is like, I I think you should wear, I think you're supposed to wear something with flowers. So I remember I went to Laura Ashley and bought just the floweriest dress I could find. Um, Those of you who have met me or have seen me will know that (laughs) I don't necessarily do well with patterns in general. And I look extremely unnatural, let's say, in, in a flowered Laura Ashley dress. But that's what I wore. And I pulled my big bushy hair back and... And I was there for for tea, and Missus Carter was telling a story about the the forming of what was called at the time the Atlanta Project. I don't know if the Carter Center still sponsors it, but the Atlanta Project was it was basically an an inner city outreach program, um, primarily targeted toward youth. You know, things have been like midnight basketball, after school tutoring, um, gang prevention, that sort of thing. And so she was telling us about the origins of, of this program, how it had started. And she's sitting there, you know, holding her tea, you know, with her, her saucer very properly held and with her, her lovely, perfect posture. And she says, one night, Jimmy came home and said, Roslyn, we are going to eradicate human suffering in Atlanta. And it was one of those moments where... You you know it's just the wrong moment to laugh, and so you're trying not to laugh, and the effort of trying not to laugh just makes the laughter more intense. Literally liter- – I mean I was sitting in the back of the room, thank God, and I don't think anybody noticed, but literally tea came out of my nose, and and I, I started to choke. And the reason for that was not because I thought there was anything to be mocked in in that very fine and noble sentiment – Um, but because I was thinking that this is really what separates a family like the Carters from a family like, say, the Coopers, because there is no way that my father would ever have come home and said anything remotely like that to my mother. Occasionally, he would say something like, you know, we got to eradicate that green stuff that's growing in the swimming pool. But certainly, Certainly not anything on on that kind of a level. Who talks like that? Who says such things? Um, the Carters, apparently. Uh, but she uh, she was a lovely lady and and she certainly had a good long life and, and 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 truly a good long life and and worked hard for what she believed in and and made herself useful. Um, and I was very sorry to hear of her passing, and truly it is a it is a loss. For the world. And on that note, uh, we are going to take a break, a little bit of a longer break today than we usually do, because I'm going to play a song for you. And the song is called "You and Me" at Christmas time, and it is a new song off of the album "Christmas Time" by Ms. Stacy Greaseback. Um, it sounds like a wonderful, romantic, loving Christmas song, but I will clue you in, and, and Stacy and I will discuss this later. She actually was inspired to write it by her cat Peanut. So a little something to keep in mind as you listen. But uh, yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy the music, and stick around for more. Curl Up with a Cattail. Looking at the Christmas tree
1: Sitting here just you and me Cuddled up and snuggling It's where I want to be The candles glow by the fireside You curl up with me so tight And the stars, well they're shining bright And everything is alright Dude! Do-
0: Around, I am so delighted to introduce today's guest, a Los Angeles-based vocalist bringing together her passion for country music and jazz as she specializes in reimagining the great American songbook of country music in the style of jazz. Her songbook series features the music of Patsy Cline, Shania Twain, Dolly Parton, and her most recent full-length album, other than the one we're here to discuss today, My George (laughs) Jones Songbook. Rolling Stone lauded her first single, Walkin' After Midnight, off her 2019 debut album, My Patsy Klein Songbook, as quote, a gorgeous jazz interpretation. She has performed at venues including Carnegie Hall, Birdland, and the Country Music Hall of Fame. Her latest album, Christmas Time, is available now on Amazon, Apple Music, and her very own website, Please join me in welcoming not only a talented musician, but also an amazing cat mom to one peanut greaseback, <laughs> Ms. Stacy Greaseback. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my gosh, Gwen. It's so great to be here. Now, I, I have to admit, I, I don't know. Like, it's not nepotism because we're not related, um, but you are a personal friend. I want to be very clear about that. Um, But certainly anybody having heard the song that we just played and and listening, who hopefully listening to your album will know that you have made it here to the illustrious halls is the wrong (laughs) word. But, you know, to join the illustrious ranks of, of the guests of my podcast solely on the basis of your own merits.
2: Oh, my gosh. I love that. Well, yes, I it has been lovely watching. I mean, I've known you since Homer.
0: So you know you have known me since. longer than that. You've known me since before Diary of a South Beach Party Girl. I think we've known each other a oh, long time. Did I now. know? I, did I meet
2: you before
0: Diary? Of or South or Beach? was it after? I don't remember. I honestly, you know, let's not you know, date ourselves.
2: You. Yeah right. Okay, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually younger than
0: I am, so I don't know why I'm trying to insist that you're actually much, much older. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I do want to talk about this. This so first I I have to make a confession. Um, okay. I, I'm going to confess something. This is a very bad thing for a Jew to confess, really? um, but I love Christmas stuff. I love the Christmas decorations and Christmas lights and Christmas music and and cookies and and just all of the the rigmarole and and pageantry of the season. And the first time I I heard this new song from your album and I want you to tell us all about it but the first time I heard Lawrence um who's also he's actually I, I met I should say that I met Stacy through Lawrence right uh, the two of them right. were friends they had a friendship that preceded my friendship with Stacy um and the first time I heard a playing, I was like oh this is a great christmas song and I was wildly impressed that you had written it that this is actually your an original song of yours this is not right. a, a a reimagining of an existing song um And also, I I want you to talk a little bit about the inspiration, because it sounds very much like a romantic Christmas song. But I believe there's an actual inspiration for the song that makes it very appropriate to discuss here on the Curl Up with a Cattail podcast. Well, of course
2: it is, because I was curled up with a cattail right next to me. (laughs) Um, Well, first off, I have to say, you know, Christmas is, I believe, a holiday for all and i believe that if there's beauty in all religions that we can find and hopefully you know with all the, the the problems going on in the world right now and and everyone dealing with the strife you know the one thing about the holidays uh it being at the end of the year and and how we celebrate christmas to me it is really about that reflection and how we can be better human beings and how we can be more loving and kind And a lot of those, a lot of those principles, uh, cross barriers. They're not limited to only one religion or one, one idiom of people. So for me, um, Christmas has always been a special time, yes, because as a kid, you love to make the cookies and you love to decorate and you love to go and throw tinsel on your brothers. You know, see, I had to go uh, to, so. to the
0: to Christian, fr- and I didn't. Ha- you know, I grew up in a very predominantly Jewish neighborhood, so I think a lot right. of it for me is that all of this is very exotic to me, right? And, and also, right. In, I grew up in Miami. I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood, right, in a very flat hot city (laughs) where there's no snow and so all of it like like the the hot cocoa and the sleigh rides and and the tinsel and the Christmas trees and all of that um it's like leaves changing color in the fall even though I'm an adult and I've seen it a million times now it still feels very exotic it's a me,
2: right you're right and it's an emotion it's it's like it's a holiday that automatically comes with an emotion it's almost like pumpkin spice do you
0: know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, I it's do. I like pumpkin spice. <laughs> and, and I also want to say, by the way, as, because I, again, I think this leads into a, a great discussion about the inspiration for your song, uh, because the holidays, of course, can be, and, and it's different for me because I, you know, the holiday season growing up, I mean, Hanukkah is not a big deal holiday. So I don't have a lot of the emotional associations with, with family and, and gatherings of friends that a lot of people do for this time of year, but You know, I also think it's important to note that not every, you know, it it varies year by year and and travel and and life takes you. I know that this is a year like you live in California. Your family lives in Wisconsin. This is one of those years where you're not going to be able to be together with them. Lawrence and I don't know who, you know, if anyone we will be with for the holidays this year. Um, but that it's, that it's okay that that feeling is, you know, can exist, I think, independently. Of the specific circumstances of one specific year, Um, which, again, is something that I love about the inspiration for this song that I would love for you to talk about, because, you know, the older you get, the the harder it can be to, to bring everyone together under one roof, even just for one day of the holiday, which does not mean that the holiday has to be sad or feel like a letdown.
2: Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think you're right in saying that I think the holidays mean different things to different people and to yourself at different times in your life. You know, for me, I think, you know, as in my 40s, looking back at childhood and what some of those holiday memories are, there's a whimsical sort of freedom that comes with that. It's almost like a naivety That, you know, when you're a kid, there's that childlike wonder quality to Christmas and to, you know, obviously the joys of Santa Claus and, and the reindeer and the folklore. And I just watched Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer last night, the original animation. And I love it.
0: You know, I always loved the Island of Misfit Toys. (laughs) I always felt that I would have fit in very well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And I cry when Clarice and Rudolph meet for the first time and she bats her cute little oh, doe eyes at yes. him. Yes. You know? <laughs> but but so, so there is this childlike wonder. And I, I tried to really capture that on the album. And then, you know, um, part of it was, and, and to get to your question of the, the single You and Me at Christmas time, last year I was also um, celebrating Christmas in California. And I knew I was was planning to kind of be here for the month of December. And I thought I'm going to get my Christmas tree and I'm going to decorate and go all out in my place. And I did. It was lovely, you know, and to me, the Christmas tree, you know, the getting of the Christmas tree, a real Christmas tree, bringing it in your house, the smell of the pine and then finding all those ornaments. You know, each year you kind of come back to the same box of ornaments and there's the favorite this from Aunt so and so and this thing that you're, you know, I will you're have to take this. your word on that.
0: <laughs> I would have yeah, no idea, and, but I
2: believe you, <laughs> right? And so, and so, decorating the Christmas tree is a ritual in and of itself. And so, you know, what happens is I have, I have a, a an accomplice with my decorating of the Christmas tree, especially stringing the lights, and especially with all the ribbons. And that happens to be uh, Charlie Ann Peanut Greasbach, and so Peanut is my. She's just turned fourteen. She's almost fourteen the, and a fourteen and a quarter. That is and a she, good age. She is she's my little baby,
0: and so and a muse baby. of sorts. She is a muse of sorts because yeah, she she's a total muse. Was the inspiration. The that this is this is what I'm, I'm trying to get to that that she is the inspiration for you and me at Christmas time.
2: Well, so what happened was we were decorating the Christmas tree and we got everything done. And I knew last year I wanted to do a Christmas record this year. And in thinking that through, I knew I also wanted to have originals on it. Because for me, Christmas music, both in the church and out of the church, mean a lot to me. You know, the classic Bing Crosby's and the classic Irving Berlin songs that have they've become standards across global that music transcends territory and language and, and boundaries. And so I really wanted to create my own, my own music. And so it was a Saturday, Saturday or Sunday afternoon. We had the place decorated. We turned on just the lights. You know, that's the best when you have just the lights on and just the Christmas tree lights. And peanut was sitting on the back of my cozy chair and I brought my songwriting book in, my notebook, and I thought, okay, here we go. And I might have poured myself a Christmas cocktail, <laughs> and sat and sat down. And literally, the first the first um, lines of the song are looking looking at the Christmas tree, sitting here just you and me, cuddled up and snuggling. It's where I want to be, and that couldn't have started it more perfect because it meant so much just that you know peanut is is my child and i'm sure a lot of your listeners feel the same way as a cat mom you know you love them they're your children they're your, she's she's my baby and you know whenever i leave to go away during the holidays she's left alone and she's got caregivers and everything but it's not like mom you know and so it's just so special that you know i was with her and so she sort of inspired it, and then I got to the chorus, and I was like, "Okay, I can't write this song about a cat, though. I got to <laughs> change it." And so, so the lyric is, "Boy, we make the perfect rhyme." Um, you know, it's you and me at Christmas time. Boy, we make the perfect rhyme. And so, that but I think that's, that that into... can be an
0: ambiguous boy in the sense that boy is just also want like like gosh or or darn. Yeah. It, it can also just be, a, I mean, the, the word is ejaculation. I i don't want, it, it's a funny word to use in this context, but it doesn't have to refer to an actual male right. person. Could it be like, boy, you know, boy, I love Christmas. And you don't have to be actually addressing a boy to say that. It could be like, gosh, I love Christmas. And it could
2: be, I mean, I was kind of channeling like, you know, Megan Trainor, Katy Perry. So for me, it was a little bit like, okay, I wanted that sort of like, oh, it's, it's you know, I found this love interest and now I have a love interest in the story. So right. it does have a little bit of that quality to it where it's like, you know, it's fun when it's like a fun romp with someone that you love.
0: Well, when I he- first heard the song, and by the way, when I first heard the song, I assumed very naturally, and I, I think it is the natural assumption that, the, and, and this is where I'm going to go all creative writing major, that the speaker in the song was addressing <laughs> <laughs> that the speaker of the poem is addressing a significant other, a a, a right, you know, boyfriend, right. girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever the case may be. Um, but when right. you and I talked and and we talked about you coming onto the podcast and you said that, that actually you had written this, which I, inst- I really did just instantly love this song. And yeah. when you said that you had written it about peanut, I, it occurred to me, well of course that makes perfect sense and and actually here's I'll I'll tell you my my favorite person writing a famous song about an a, a pet story um because right. this is the first thing I thought of is Barry Manilow the song um Brandy a uh, Mandy would oh. rather the song right, Mandy right. was originally called Brandy and he wrote it about his dog
2: I, I didn't and
0: I actually used to have an, uh, it, it, and then I I lost it in a flood caused by, I mean, talk about a country song in a flood caused by a hurricane <laughs> back in, <laughs> in 1999. But I had, it was an original studio recording of the first time he went into the studio to record the song Mandy and he goofs and he says, Oh, Brandy, whoops. Well, you came and, you know, and, and he goes oh, on, yeah. but he said they, cause the, the, the studio decide- or the, you know, the the executives at the label said, we got to make it sound more like you're singing it to a girl than to a dog. So they changed the name from Brandy to Mandy because it sounded more like a, a, a girl's name. Um, right. But Mandy was originally called Brandy. And I mean, this wow. is not urban legend. I actually had a recording of him singing Brandy and he wrote it about his dog, which I think is just a testament to the really deep feelings we have. Right. For our pets, because when you said that you had written it for Peanut, it did not. There was no part of it that made less sense or or felt less true, right. knowing that it was you writing about your cat and and not writing about some mythical you know boyfriend or, or or husband. Right. Right.
2: No, she. Um. Well, yeah, she's like I said. I mean, she knows me better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, they, they certainly see us at our at our best and our not so best. Right,
2: right. right. So it was fun. That kind of kicked, you know, literally that was my first song that I wrote for the Christmas album. And then from there, it just, it spawned, I think over a course of, it was maybe four or five weeks. And I wrote four four of the originals that are on the, the album. There's a couple more that... Um, that, that didn't get finished that might be you know kind of a future release, but there were four of those five or six that ended up on this record. So it's you and me at Christmas time and then the second track is dreaming of Christmas with you. um there's it's just not Christmas without you and raining on Christmas. And those are all four originals that I wrote. And so it was nice to kind of have that four that the planning of, hey, I want to do an al- holiday album. I'm gonna write it while I'm in the holiday spirit and then, you know, we went into the studio to track in April, middle of April, late April, and then recorded the vocals over the summer and started getting everything, you know, finessed. So it is a it is kind of a long it's a quick process and a long process, too, because, you know, everything kind of comes together. But the other songs on the album uh, really kind of round out the the whole holiday experience for me. So growing up as a kid, like I said, you know, there was always the rituals of certain things. And for me, Elvis Elvis Presley's Christmas album was the thing. And the minute, you know, my parents had a really, those big console record players where you would have to kind of open the top and then the record players is revealed. And um, with the minute that we, you know, it was, it was kind of that time we were either getting Christmas dinner ready or whatever and it was time to put on the music. It was like you put on Elvis's, christmas record and now it was you know it was like that was the light switch so i had to do santa bring your baby back to me and also blue christmas which are two covers of what elvis made songs elvis made famous and then there's a little bit like you said in the intro of the country meets jazz where i've taken a song that dolly Parton made famous called hard candy christmas i remember that from best at old whorehouse in texas Yes, which comes, and and not a lot of people. It's a sad
0: song. It's, it's a, it's a sad song. I mean, ultimately there is a happy ending, but it's at that moment of breaking up where the whole, the whole, everybody is, is going their separate ways. The, the whorehouse has been shut down and the the chicken ranch, the chicken ranch has been shut down and, and everybody is going their separate ways. And it's, it's sort of an ending of, of everything. Although of, of course, you know, endings bring about new beginnings, um, but I thought it was an interesting right. choice for your album actually, when I was listening to yeah. it.
2: Well, yeah. And the lyric, you know, it, the lyric that Carol Hall wrote says, and sorrow won't bring me way down. You know, I'm not going to let this get me down. So while it's a hard candy Christmas, I'm I'm not going to, it's not going to pull me all the way down. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. It's, you can hear the reflection in her voice. And to me, you know, listen, at 45, the Christmas season is not what it was as five years old. You know, we now have the weight, you know, these weight of the world, the weight of our decisions, um, you know, challenges that are happening, you know, things that are just real world existence things that make the holidays sort of a, a really good time to reflect. And, you know, the holidays also aren't all, you know, pop the champagne and smiles and laughs.
0: You know, I think well, that's that there's it. a balance I, I we, of yeah, we all uh, put also- pressure yeah, on ourselves to make them relentlessly happy. And they don't necessarily have to be you, you really can't sustain that level of, of insane cheer for like a full six weeks, yeah. I, I think.
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard. And and I think that there's a natural, you know, we're humans and we emote and we have highs and we have lows. And I think so, you know, there's also another song that I cover um famous made famous by Willie Nelson. He wrote it called Pretty Paper. And it's a beautiful song. It's one that I've always loved as a kid, and you never really know what it's about until you sit and listen to the lyrics, you know. And it's about a homeless man, you know, that's that's you know, on the streets, and people are just walking right by him because they're hustling and bustling. And, you know, I live in Santa Monica, and we in California, and I think all throughout the world, we have, you know a homeless problem. And we have people that are displaced. And how do we care for them? So, you know, for me, the jazz interpretation of that really opens up in the middle and it allows for a musical expression that gives the listener a time to ponder those things. You know, and th- And that's what's cool about the jazz interpretation is it creates a little
0: bit more of that reflection i think well i i this is a a really hackneyed expression, so you'll you will have to forgive me for using it, but truly, I, <laughs> I think it's an it's an album that that takes you on a real emotional journey this album um there there are things that they make you pause or songs that make you pause and and reflect they, they it is again, it is not oh. all sort of sappy one note relentless cheer, but there are those happier bouncier more boisterous festive songs um, like the one oh, yeah. that that you know you and me at christmas time and, well, and and again and i think it's the something other- that makes this a special album well thank you no i
2: appreciate it and i know you're not saying that just cuz you're my friend um but <laughs>
0: I and might we'll say be just because I, well, I really do mean it in this case.
2: <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, the meaning is what matters, right? Yes. About the but, you know, the other song that's, you know, just a pure love song is Merry Christmas, Darling. And, you know, Karen Carpenter. She is synonymous. Like it's Elvis Presley. And then the second right behind that is the Carpenters for Christmas. You know, Uh, Lawrence Uh, loves
0: Karen Carpenter. I just, I never, her voice is too, it sounds, it's always sounded synthetic to me. Like it, it, it gives me like, like weird shivers. Karen Carpenter's voice. Yeah. It's, it sounds like her voice was cybernetically engineered in a dystopian future. I, I kind
2: of Perfect. I, I, right. I mean, also, like it's, it's probably like it was too perfect for you. Your like, like, like that. Yeah. Like
0: her voice and Daniel Day Kim's face. I don't know if you know him. He who was the the Asian <laughs> actor. He was on Lost, and then he was on Hawaii Five. And he's so his his bone structure is well, so let's perfect hope, let's hope the poor
2: man doesn't have cats and listen to your
0: podcast because <laughs> but it looks he's like he was cyber- mortified right now he's so perfect looking that really he looks like he was cybernetically engineered in a dystopian future <laughs> and oh that and that's like it's true like true almost bad. like a dip into the uncanny valley and that's that is the level in which karen carpenter's voice has always yeah, and you know, struck
2: well, and Merry Christmas Darling was written by Richard Carpenter and, you know, Richard and Karen together. I mean, Richard is still very avid in his career. And I just I feel like, um, you know, I wanted that that Merry Christmas Darling is one of my top favorite Christmas songs. And then you've got classics like, you know, White Christmas. I mean,
0: Irving Berlin is just well, you can't go wrong with Irving Berlin.
2: You can't go wrong with Irving Berlin and Jeremy Siskin did an awesome arrangement on this one where it just really kind of it closes out the album. And my hope for this track closing out the album is really to give that sense of hope and childlike wonder that after you've gone through this expression throughout the entire album, you end up looking forward to the next white Christmas, you know.
0: Well listen, but well, but before we wrap this up, we we, we do have to it, it make at least an a, a, a take a stab at at bringing this thematically back to the subject of the podcast which is cats. So I'm going oh, to Miss ask Peanut. you yeah, okay. um <laughs> how you what what do you what are your favorite holiday season rituals with with Miss Peanut? Well, first of all, you know, she
2: is she's she is a like I said, she's 14, little over 14 years old. She's a tortoiseshell, um, uh, calico. And she is, um, just the most beautiful girl you've ever seen. And she has been struggling with hyperthyroidism the last couple of years. Aww. And we finally got that all saturated. So now she's got the right medicines and she's starting to gain her weight back. And just the other day she started nibbling at my toes under the sheet covers, so I know that, you know, playtime is back, so to speak, <laughs> um, but she, you know, for, for years until she's been on her select protein diet, she would get shrimp. And just the, the minute that I go to the freezer, it's like the ears perk up that she knows the <laughs> shrimps are coming. So she might happen to get a shrimp at
0: Christmas that, that might happen this year. Are you going um, to write but, a song called shrimp for Christmas? Because I think that, for
2: Christmas.
0: <laughs> well, that that could be a great song. Mom. Her mom really likes shrimp
2: cocktails. So we both together, you know, it started, it actually started as me getting shrimp cocktails. And then she just looking at me like, are you going to give me one? And then I started and then I would get the bigger ones and she would get the little ones and she'd look at me like, why are you getting the big ones? I want the big ones. And so she, she very much is a 50, 50 partner in this house, you know, and, uh, But no, we do that and then she will obviously help me decorate the Christmas tree. That's a huge thing because you get out, what do you get out? You get out big boxes. And then in those boxes, there are bags and there are balls and there are ribbons.
0: Now, when you say she things. helps you decorate, are we, are we are is this a, yeah, a loose? Yeah, a loose application
2: helps, of the word help. She helps by batting balls around and going places she shouldn't, like in the corners when I'm trying to get back there and get the lights around and. She, no, she's very much, I mean, at this stage in the game, we're two mature ladies living in the house together. So we kind (laughs) of know each other (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, so she knows like, you know, but, but last night, literally I had Rudolph the red nose reindeer on and the minute that, uh, Donner and Blitzen were there in the baseball scene and Clarice showed up, she literally came over to the, to the TV because I, she does watch YouTube Um, videos every once in a while, she came over to the TV, and she just sat there and looked at Rudolph. I mean, it was the cutest thing.
0: So, you know, we will
2: probably we will she wanted some... to
0: murder Rudolph. I mean, you realize she's probably like, I can eat That's small <laughs> enough for me to catch and eat. Hey, I t- <laughs> that's venison, mom. That's exactly. Venison, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like... shrimp is one thing, but. uh.
2: Ooh. But yeah, so she she, you know, listen, she every morning we have our snuggle moments and they're getting longer and more joyous, the older that, you know, we've we've been through a lot. You know, I think most cat parents or animal pe- pet parents out there will agree COVID really bonded you to your animal in a very different way. And, you know, Peanut, we were displaced because I had work being done in my condo. So we were in a new Airbnb, you know, she's been, she's been through the ups and downs right with mom. And so I feel like, literally, she gives me a look and she can communicate with me and I can communicate with her in ways that, you know, to someone else, they might not even see, you know, and that's that precious bond that, Pet owners have, I think.
0: Well, I think it's the bond of, of history. You know, fourteen years is a lot mm-hmm. of time to spend living with anybody, and uh, right, you definitely you get you get that you get that language uh, that that you have that that shared that language where you look at each other and and you sort of know what the other one is thinking.
2: Yeah, like when she's batting a ball around at three o'clock in the morning, all I have to do is like put my hand on the pillow, and she knows she better <laughs> stop with the ball, otherwise the pillow is going to be you know. um thrown but anyways that that has happened in the past but she um yeah no she's she's a delightful kitten and yeah she inspired you and me at christmas time and i hope i hope everybody
0: enjoys it yeah so so tell us again give us the name of the album let us know where people can find it find more information about you your music and so on and so forth yeah the
2: elevator pitch okay well christmas time is the album And it's available for CD if you like CDs, which I'm a huge fan of physical product because that means you own it and you've got it right in your hands. Um, That can be purchased on my website, which is Stacy, G R I E S B A C H dot com. But of course, music is available where the music is available wherever anybody streams or buys. So you can actually purchase and download the album on Apple Music or Amazon Music and then you can stream on Pandora, you can stream on Spotify and if you go there to either one of those platforms give me a follow.
0: And otherwise you can follow me on Instagram too. Awesome. And and really I will say that it is worth not only checking out this album um but but delving into Stacy's body of work because there there it really it really is impressive. I have to tell you when you first started doing this a few years ago. Um, you know because we knew Lawrence met you prof- right. in your prof- in your previous professional life when you were a- right. as a publicist for Sony business. Pictures. Yeah. And um and when you first I it, it was like, "Oh, Stacy has this little hobby with music." And isn't that adorable? <laughs> Just telling it like it is, and um, yeah, I
2: think a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's a passion project, great." Yeah, and and, and,
0: and then I yeah. heard the the music in it, and it it's deeply impressive and and great. So I really recommend taking a moment to delve in.
2: Well, listen, thank you, Glenn. That's that means a lot. It really does. I mean, I think I was a creative locked in an executive's office, and it's kind of let the creative fly. And so hopefully uh, everybody enjoys. And like I said, you don't, you don't have to be a religious person to enjoy this music.
0: It's, it's holiday music and it's for everyone. It is. And I love it. And I am so <laughs> thrilled that you were able to come onto the podcast and um, hopefully there will be another album that we'll be able to have you on again for soon. I love it. Well, Peanut and I send everybody happy holiday wishes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Stacy. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. Don't forget to join us again next week for another all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.